What's going on, Reds fans, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to talk about the series opening loss by the Reds to the Brewers, why it's frustrating, but it's not deflating. We're going to get into that. We're going to look at the schedule for the Reds and Brewers the rest of the way and what it looks like after they're done playing each other for the seven-game marathon, and we're going to talk about Wade Miley versus Eric Lauer. That's all coming up on today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get going. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Reds fans, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you don't already subscribe to the YouTube channel, make sure that you do that right now. That way you don't miss anything I've got for you this season. Also, follow me on your favorite podcasting app. You'll get the audio version of the podcast as well. And follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. All right, let's talk about last night's loss, which, yes, it was frustrating. There were many missed opportunities in case you did not watch every pitch, which I know lots of people are tuning into this series because they understand the importance of it. The Reds and Brewers began a seven-game set that is bisected by the All-Star break, and this is very important for both sides. The Brewers are a little bit more in the driver's seat than the Reds are, but this is something where either team can kind of, like the Reds can make a huge case and a huge play for first place, or the Brewers can knock them out of the race. So. There's a lot riding for both teams. Game one was dramatic in lots of different ways. And in case you've kind of tuned in here or there during the season, the Reds have not always been so frustrating with the bases loaded. That was just a very annoying night. They load the bases in the first and the second inning and get zero runs out of it. But they did exactly what they've done all year long. They put that behind them. They tie the game. In fact, they even take the lead. It was not the way you draw it up, walks and uh, singles and things like that. I mean, the singles are fine, but wild pitches scored the first two Reds runs of the night. That's not exactly what you expect to happen during a game, but that's how it worked out for them. And then Tucker Barnhart with the go-ahead RBI single. And then Tyler Malley, who was really struggling early on, kind of settled down, really gritted through six innings. He did give up that third run there that tied the ball game, and then it became a bullpen game. And that is where the advantage really lies for Milwaukee because they've got a much better bullpen. And look, I was pissed about the umpire as well, but it happened for both sides. There were bad calls for both the Reds and the Brewers. Seemed like there were a few more on the Reds side, which Empire or uh, umpire auditor on Twitter had confirmed that, but it wasn't enough for it to be like crazy advantageous for the Brewers. It was just bad all around. When you talk about 
Josh Hader and Devin Williams coming out of the Brewers bullpen and having a strike zone that is at least like 20% bigger than it should be. That was not great for the Reds lineup, and they were shaking their heads quite a bit. And Jesse Winker had a few words for home plate umpire Brian O'Nora at the end of the game. I was a little bit worried he might get tossed out of today's game. That didn't happen, though. David Bell stepped in and stopped it before that got to that point. The problem was they put themselves in a position to let the umpire dictate the game to them. That's that's not what you want to do. And, and no player is ever going to say that an umpire lost them the game. They're always going to tell you that. If we're in a position where the umpire can control the outcome of the game, that's our own, far, own fault for putting us in that spot. And that's what happened. Bases loaded, two straight innings. And there were a couple of defensive plays. They were, It wasn't as egregious as some games past, but there were a couple of defensive plays where they were just a little bit off. They were just almost there, but not quite. Jesse Winker dropping a running catch in left field, which would have ended that inning. And then you also look at the play at the plate early on in the game where Tyler Malley could have made the out, but he muffed the throw from, from Tucker Barnhart. So it's things like that that are the difference in these close games. While it's frustrating, it's not deflating, if you ask me, because here's the deal. There are 20 wins that the Reds have accounted for this year in which they lost the game before. They are able to follow this up and not let it just absolutely stop them in their tracks. 20 wins after a loss so far this season. Plus, when you look at the numbers against the Brewers, the Reds, while they're not like miles better, the Reds are a little bit better. The bats against the Brewers are kind of held in check for the most part. They hit 211, they get on base uh, at a 309 clip, and they slug 368. They've scored 43 runs, and they've struck out 101 times compared to 42 walks. That's the bats. The pitching side of things, they've only given up 41 runs to the Brewers. So they've actually outscored them so far this season in the 10 games they've played and they've held Brewers hitters to a 203 batting average, 314 on base, a little bit higher, but then you've got a 348 slugging, a little bit lower. So while we look at things and we say that wow, the Brewers have a much better pitching staff than the Reds do, it's not that much better. And now, yes, you're going to say they haven't faced Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, and they've definitely benefited from that. They have faced Freddie Peralta pretty much in every series that they've played them, and they'll face him again on Saturday. And they'll get Brandon Woodruff on Sunday. But overall, I'm saying that to say this. The Reds and Brewers are a much more closer team, a closer uh, talent level than a lot of people are thinking. People are looking at the record of the Brewers compared to the record of the Reds, and they're saying, wow, the Brewers are just so much better than the Reds are. They're not. In fact, Jake Mastriani said on our uh, series preview on yesterday's episode, if you haven't checked that out, go back and watch that. uh, He said that the biggest factor in why the Brewers have been so successful has been the schedule. They had a pretty easy June, and we're going to get into that a little bit more later on in the podcast, but I want to put that out there and say, look, because the Reds lost one game to the Brewers in Milwaukee after the Brewers had such a phenomenal June doesn't mean that the the season is over and you can write the Reds off because there's still plenty of games left in this series as well as the rest of the season. All right. Enough of that. That's, I just want to be positive. All right. There's too many people being negative about this one loss. 
plenty of games left. We're going to talk about why the Reds are going to bounce back tonight with Wade Miley on the mound going up against Eric Lauer. That's coming up here in the next segment. And when I think of this pitching matchup, I mean, you got two lefties on the mound. Both guys kind of pitched a contact. Eric Lauer's got a little bit more of a strikeout rate, but you know, we're going to get into that here in just a minute. Before we get into that, I want you to get into a Built Bar. Built Bar is amazing. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market, bar none, because it's made with 100% real chocolate. Plus, its statistics are awesome too. Less than four grams of carbs, four grams of sugar, up to 18 grams of protein in some of these bars. And we're talking about like 130 to 150 calories per bar. Your snack game will get vaulted into the major leagues when you get yourself some Built Bars. And you can do it today at BuiltBar.com. With the promo code LOCKED15, you'll save 15% off your next order. And you've got like nine awesome flavors to choose from, plus limited time flavors that they like to rotate in and out. My favorite is Cherry Barcia. They've got peanut butter brownie. They've got coconut. They've got raspberry. Something for everyone. Check it out today at BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. All right, so coming up tonight, game two of this first four games before the three games after the All-Star break, we're just going to lump it all together, call it the seven-game series. Game two of the seven-game series, Wade Miley against Eric Lauer. And it's interesting to know because Wade Miley, if, if you look at baseball reference anyway, is having the best year of his career, according to baseball reference, uh, war calculations. That he's never had as much war in any one season as he's had now, and there's still time left. He can continue to accumulate wins above replacement as we go along. Now, Fangraphs is a little bit different. On baseball reference, he has a war of 3.8, and on Fangraphs, he has a war of 2.2, which is still the best season he's had since he was in Boston in 2015, but it's not the best season of his career, according to Fangraphs. So, War, not always the end-all, be-all, but it kind of tells you the big picture. Wade Miley has been the most consistent pitcher for the Reds this season. He doesn't have that gaudy strikeout rate, but he keeps guys off base via base on balls. That's something that lots of guys struggle with, whether you're coming out of the Reds' bullpen, whether you're a young pitcher for a different team, but that's just something that Wade Miley is good at limiting. And he limits hard contact. Guys don't get strong hits. They don't barrel up his pitches the way that they barrel up other guys. And I love the way that he just works quickly. When he is in the zone, no one else can catch up to him. In fact, I, I'm always amazed, and I think we'll see Tyler Stevenson hitting today since Eric Lauer is a left-handed pitcher, but I'm always amazed that whoever is catching Wade Miley can keep up with him. Like, do they have to take some kind of pill before? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know. Like you got to have some real good caffeine or something before speaking of which, before you uh, catch Wade Miley, because that dude flies through a game when he is in the zone. And then I look at on the other side of the diamond, the guy that the Reds have to go up against Eric Lauer. They've faced him twice already this season, once in relief, once as a starter. All total, Eric Lauer has thrown nine innings against the Reds, and they've scored six runs off him. In fact, they've played pretty well against this left-hander. This guy is the one who bucks the trend for them, as we have talked about many times before. The Reds just don't hit lefties. For some reason, they hit Eric Lauer. 
He's allowed six runs to the Reds, seven hits, eight walks. He does have nine strikeouts in those nine innings, but all total, he's thrown 170 pitches, i.e., Reds lineup needs to be patient tonight. They need to continue to work him and make him throw lots and lots of pitches. It's interesting to note, though, because he is the perfect encapsulation of what kind of left-handed pitcher dominates the Reds, an unimpressive lefty. If you look at his baseball savant page, he is in the middle of every single category. He's not really bad at anything, but he's also not really good at anything. He does have a better than league average strikeout rate, but it's nothing that's going to get him any sort of accolades. And he walks a few more people than league average as well. He doesn't really give up hard contact. It's right around league average. But again, that's something that the Reds have exploited. They haven't hit a home run off of him this year. They've just had timely hits, getting guys on, getting them over and getting them in. Something they had problems with yesterday. They got him on, they got him over. They just didn't get him in. Hopefully they can continue that trend against Eric Lauer today. Lauer on the whole, I mean, his ERA at 4.1, according to his expected statistics, that's right where it should be. He's not getting lucky and he's not getting unlucky. And it's interesting to note that when you look at Wade Miley, it was something that fan graphs, all the different projection models that they have and different systems like that, they project his ERA to increase by at least a run on all of the different projection systems. There's even one that says that his ERA will increase by a run and a half. So what's going to give tonight? Is this something that is going to happen for the Brewers lineup, or is this something that's going to happen for the Reds lineup? Because it felt like the Reds had so many opportunities to blow that game wide open in game one. Do they actually make that happen here in game two? That's the kind of thing that they need to win this series because they've been able to hold this Brewers lineup, which outside of some home runs that they've hit all year long, which is kind of the main way that they score runs again, calling back to what Jake Mastriani was talking about. You can hold this lineup down for the most part. So what, what happens? I mean, are they, are we going to see Avisio Garcia beat the Reds? Are we going to see Christian Yelich beat the Reds or Will they be able to hold them in check? Because I don't feel, I feel like five runs is the top of the potential. Maybe six runs is the top of the potential for this Brewers lineup, especially when you got Wade Miley on the mound. He gets into a groove. could be a lot less than that as well. So I'm, I'm looking for a win tonight. I'm looking for a bounce back game for our Cincinnati Reds based on the pitching matchup. But again, baseball's not played on paper. And who knows, this could be the night that Eric Lauer, the typical left-handed pitcher that just dominates the Reds lineup, maybe he gets right against them. I hope that's not the case. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to look at the future. I'm going to pull out. No, I don't have a crystal ball. But we're going to talk about the upcoming schedule after this seven-game series is over between the Reds and Brewers. As we won't be talking again until this uh, first four games is over, we'll be talking on Monday. So I want to break down what's coming for the Reds and the Brewers. That's a topic of interest as we talk about who wins and who loses this series. Before I talk about that, though, I want to let you know that you can still get in on the action at betonline.ag with the promo code locked on and get 50% added. Onto your initial deposit, you can start your bankroll off the right way with that promo code and make some money instantly. 
Plus, I'll give you a tip from time to time. Not going to lie, the tip that I gave you yesterday didn't work out. The over-under of eight and a half, they scored eight runs. So that was the under. But I'm usually not too bad at these tips. Just don't have one for you today. I'm feeling strongly about the Reds bouncing back, but I don't necessarily know that I want to take the money line on that. I'm just going to leave that one be because this is a huge series for the Reds. And I think almost every one of these games, the ending is going to include the word dramatic. Whoever wins, it's going to be dramatic if the Reds win, dramatic if the Brewers win. That's just the way these two teams are built. And it's probably the way the rest of the season is going to go. Anyway, back to bet online. They've got great lines when we're talking about Major League Baseball, the NBA finals that are happening right now. The NHL just wrapped up, so no more on that. But they've got futures for the NFL. Plus, you've got Conor McGregor and Justin Poirier fighting this weekend. They'll be all over that. Check out betonline.ag today and set up your profile with the promo code locked on to get 50% added onto your initial deposit. All right, let's look down the road. Let's look at what's coming for both the Reds and the Brewers. We are now to the point we're going to pretend that the seven-game series is over. We're going to pretend that the Reds just won the next six games. You know, no big deal. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But we are going to look at the schedule that remains for both sides. Obviously, since they play in the same division, they play the same non-divisional opponents, but there are two differences when you look at the Brewers and the Reds' schedule the rest of the way. The Reds are done with the Royals. They don't play them again, while the Brewers have two more games against them. Oddly enough, they're 0-2 against the Royals this season. The Brewers also have a very important non-divisional opponent on their schedule that the Reds are already finished with, and that's the San Francisco Giants. Now. Will the Giants dominate the Brewers as much as they did the Reds? Who knows? Maybe by the time that the Brewers and Giants face off, the Giants have come back down to earth. Hopefully, that's not the case. But the important thing is the biggest difference in the Reds and the Brewers the rest of the way is that the Brewers are largely done with the Cubs and Pirates, and the Reds aren't. The Brewers only have seven games left against the Cubs and nine games left against the Pirates. In fact, according to Ken Rosenthal of the the Athletic, the Cubs are expected to be selling off pieces here during the trade deadline season. So they could be a lot worse. The Reds have 10 games against them. Maybe they can make some hay. The Pirates, the Reds face 13 times the rest of the way, while the Brewers face the Cardinals 13 times. So it's interesting to see the way that that falls and the way that September is for the Reds. They play the Pirates nine times in that final month. They play the Pirates, Twins, and Marlins 13 times in the month of August. I look at those 22 games as an opportunity. How they look in these final seven games, what, and, they, and the Reds and Brewers have another three-game series in the middle of August in Milwaukee. So all total nine games remain for the Reds and Brewers the rest of the way. How do the Reds fare in that? Because even if they can gain one game on the Brewers in these series, their schedule is more favorable than Milwaukee's. In fact, the Reds only have, they have that one game that they have to make up. It's weird how it works. They have to go up to Cleveland for one game and then go down to Atlanta for three just because of that rain out earlier on the season. But the Brewers have three against Cleveland. Where do they sit in this? Because Cleveland kind of looks like sellers right now. Atlanta, Philadelphia, Washington are all teams that are on the cusp 
of contention there in the NL East. And where do they look at in the wild card series? Those are hungry teams. The Reds face the Nationals four times compared to the Brewers three, but the Reds have seven games against the Marlins. The rest of the way, the Brewers are done with the Marlins. In fact, they played them six times and they split three and three. There's just, there's opportunities abound and you can break down even, you can look because the Brewers and Reds are both done with the Diamondbacks. <sighs> Still shell shock from that on the red side. The Brewers went six and one against the Diamondbacks. So where do the Reds make up those games? You look at this schedule and you just feel like the Reds have a little bit of an upper hand. I, I'm, I am confident that if they can take care of business in this dramatic series against the Brewers, that they'll be all right. And hey, speaking of all right. I hope that you've been all right this entire show. I, I don't know if it's if the, any of the sounds come through. They're working on the apartment below me. But um, thank you so much for watching and listening to today's podcast. Hoping for a bounce back win. I've got a good feeling about it with Wade Miley on the mound tonight. We'll be all over it. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked on Reds. And make sure that you're following the podcast on your favorite podcasting app and you're subscribed right here on youtube but that'll do it for us here today i hope you guys have a great weekend we will be talking on monday i'm gonna get a lot of locked on reds line stuff in we got a couple of questions i haven't been able to get to them this week but monday get your questions in we'll have like a monday mailbag jeff junk mail type thing there's like six names i have for these whatever just get them in 513-549-0159 or hit me up on twitter at the handles that i just mentioned that'll do it for us here today thanks again for watching and listening now go Check out the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast hosted by Aram Layton. He takes a look at farm systems around the league, and he will be all over the trades that are happening so that you know exactly who got the better side whenever he talks about these prospects. Check it out, the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll do it for us today. I'll talk to each and every one of you on Monday. <laughs>